Nobody saw them arrive, but everyone knew when they left. None of us on that street will forget, even if we live to be hundred. It's another episode with the book chief. Welcome! So I mentioned on my last episode that I'll be talking about my first loves. And I said that these first loves are the books that made me to fall in love with African books. I mentioned Nines of the Crooked Bed by Tony Khan. I mentioned Secret, The Secret Lives of Baba Sergi's Wife. I mentioned Children of Blood and Bone and some others. The fact is that there are many books that made me fall in love with African literature when I first started reading. And I cannot go on to talk about all of them, even though I wish I could. I want to share these books with you, but unfortunately, I can't. I'm so sorry. So I'll be sharing just three for the three remaining Sundays of January. In this our series, My First Loves, I'll be sharing three books that made me to fall in love with African fiction. And number one on that list is Nights of the Creaking Bed by Tony Khan, which I'll be talking about today. So sit tight, let's jump right into it. Before we do that jumping, have you followed my social media pages? Have you followed my social media pages? Now, listen, listen attentively. On Instagram, go and follow with the book chief. On Twitter, I'm still using my um, personal page for now. Go and follow Umo Benita 3, U-M-O-H-B-E-N-I-T-A 3. Go and follow those pages. Post this podcast now. Post it and come back. Don't post it and go and do something else. Post it, go and follow those pages and come back and continue listening. Thank you, love you. So, Nights of the Cricking Bed. Ooh, I feel like the title is already catchy, Nights of the Cricking Bed. And I said this in my last episode that I love short stories. Or did I not? Okay, if even though I didn't, I love short stories so much. I love short stories. I love, I cannot... <laughs> I can say it a million times. I love short stories. So that's one of the reasons why I really love this book, Nights of the Creaking Bed. And there are so many stories in this Nights of the Creaking Bed. And unfortunately, I cannot go into all because of time. I don't want to keep you guys here for an hour. <laughs> so out of the stories in Nights of the Creaking Bed, I'll be talking about just a few of them. I'll be trying my best not to give spoilers in this book, about this book. i'm thinking about doing that and it's just funny i just had to laugh because i love this book so much i may end up talking about everything in it but when i want you guys to read i want you guys to read this book and i want you guys to read the book with the satisfaction that comes reading a new book without any spoilers so i will try my best i hope to keep my word fingers crossed (laughs) the first story i'll be talking about in this collection of short story is, short stories is my perfect life hmm my perfect life i wish i had a perfect life <laughs> oh my god what did i just do let me not come and disgrace myself here so i'll be starting with this phrase i really loved let me just read it out loud at least then i would have only felt pain until the doctors did their bits but with heartache, there is no cure. You ache and ache and ache. 
with nothing to ease your pain or ameliorate your hurts. Oh, have you experienced heartbreak before? Heartbreak campaign being there done that and I don't wish it on my enemy. Oh my dears I've experienced heartbreak before and I couldn't let's not let's not even go back. I'm over it now, but let's let's not don't remind me of that. <laughs> nobody could console me i was crying and crying i was like oh god i thought i was a hard girl but look at me crying over a guy hmm. thank god that's behind in the past so back to my perfect life <laughs> sylvia meets her university love shane after over three decades over three decades because according to the book she's 41 when she meets him and they knew each other in university so that's over three decades so now she starts having flings with shame this shame that she couldn't marry when she was in university because her dad was against her marrying yoruba yeah tribalism i hate it too please Take that stinking, disgusting thing out of my face. I can never understand why you counsel people because of their tribe. Please, we are in the 21st century. Grow up. Grow up. That is like so... So pre-colonial times. I don't even know, I don't even know if they did that in pre-colonial times. So she couldn't marry Shewo because he was Yoruba. And... Now she meets Shewu and their love rekindles and she's having flings with him and all of a sudden Shewu pops the stupid question if you if you ask me. He tells her to follow him to the UK. Abizi US. I don't even care because I'm angry at him. How do you come to disrupt somebody's life like that? No matter the love. No matter the love, I don't know, I don't know, that's my opinion, that's my opinion. No matter the love, you had a relationship with somebody in your university days. And this love was loving. <laughs> I don't know the word, let me just, this love was loving. It was giving. <laughs> and something happened, you guys had to break up. And now you come back years later. And... You tell this person to live their life for you. It's not like this person has a boring life, doesn't have anything going on in their life. This woman has a husband, a good man at that, and children. And you tell her to leave them for you? Wait, no wonder they said love is not enough. Because at this point, love is not enough. It's not because of love I would just live my life and follow you. I'm so sorry. Hmm. But what did Sylvia do? It's unfortunate that everybody doesn't think like me. You don't really know until you're in that situation. Can you guys like think about it like meeting your young love how many years later and having a choice of going to live that life you thought you guys were going to live that life you envisioned you guys living 
when you were in university? Is it something you think about or is it a no-no? Is it like off the table? Are you ready to put your present life on hold? Not even on hold. To throw away your present life. To throw throw away everything you've built and follow somebody all in the name of love. For me, love is not enough, my dear. But let's see what Sylvia did. I'm going to read that line for you guys. So you people will know what Sylvia did. So, she said, I have made my choice. The sound of my own laughter sounds better to my own ears. What does that mean? Go and read the book to find out what Sylvia did. I told you I was trying not to, I was going to, I was not going to give spoilers. <laughs> On to the next, which is God is listening. This story made me cry. Because it made me see the struggle and unfairness of the world to women for things that they don't they have no control over. <sighs> what happened in this book? In this story, sorry. So this wicked guy deceived this wicked guy deceived this girl leading her on in a relationship getting her pregnant with the hopes that if she gave birth to a girl a girl a guy sorry a boy child child he was going to get married to her because apparently he was looking for a female child a male child (laughs) apparently he was looking for a male child and it was in desperate need of one and alas the day they went for scan after the scan the doctor found out that she was carrying a female child and do you know what this guy did oh god some kind of things guys do just disgust me men are wicked 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 hmm. benita calm down breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out I promise this is not from a personal experience <laughs> because it may sound like I'm talking from a place of pain because I've suffered in the hands of men. No, please, it's not from a personal experience. Like, men can just be so cruel. Okay, so this wicked man left her in the hospital then. Yes, he ran away. He didn't, I won't even say he ran. He abandoned her. So she was left to fend for herself. It was even the doctor that came and told her that. My, my dear sister, your girl don't move. Oh. The picking no be male picking. don't move. <laughs> oh, such a life. Such a life we women have to go through. Like, is she the one that put the female child in her tummy? Is she the one? Breathe in, Benita. Breathe out. Like I said, this is not coming from a place of personal experience. <laughs> I'm just so passionate about things like this. I hate when women are being on as seen on the receiving end of men's wickedness. Oh my god. 
So she had to start struggling with her life and she managed to give birth to the child. And guess what? It was even a boy child she gave birth to. Oh. She could not take care of the child and she had to do what I would say is the most painful thing a mother can ever do to herself. Not even to her baby, to herself. Mm, I'm not gonna tell you the thing. Go and read the book. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm loving this suspense. Oh my god, I'm having the time of my life here. But I want to know something. Please, my male listeners, I would like to hear your point of view. In short, not just my male listeners, everybody. What is so special about a male child? I will never understand it. I get that people always say, people that try to justify it always say, oh, a male child will carry on the family name and all that. But I can never understand the importance of that. I don't know. That's just my personal point of view. I can never understand the, the whole idea of that. And because of that, you will not see another gender as lesser. Like, like I said before, we are in the 21st century. Can we drop this pre-colonial thinking? Huh? And it's funny because in this, like, in this era, in this day and age, we still see this. We still see this archaic things. People choosing. Ah, oh, God. Let me not even. Let me not even start to talk because I will just spend my whole, my whole time here. I'm very, very passionate about gender equality. And if I start to talk, hmm, we'll go answer someone. So let me just let me just leave it. But I really want to hear your views on what you think about this whole male child over female child and women getting maltreated and thrown out of their houses because they cannot produce a male child. I really want to hear your thoughts on that. Another story I really liked in the book is the story Strangers. Strangers is the first story we find in the book and it's a story where I quoted what I said at the beginning of the, of the podcast from. In the story Strangers, there were so many things I liked, but one of them that really resonated with me was youthful exuberance. So... In this book, Sam and Silas, two young guys move into the streets newly and they try to do all it takes to be accepted in, on the streets and also to make ends meet. And with all these things, they still try to keep up that lovely and happy lives that comes with being youthful. That reminded me of basically the kind of life we're living right now as youths. Despite all the things we struggle with, despite trying to make things click, trying to make things meet up, we still put up with this, I don't know if I should call it a facade of being happy. Basically, this youthful exuberance that no matter what, I'm still joyful, I'm still happy. We just try to go out with friends, try to be cool and everything. We We don't allow the weight of the world to pressure us like to press us down so i really loved that theme in this book and another thing i loved in this book was the way the writer shared light on 
jungle justice jungle justice is really is something that i hate so much like i can go on and talk about it and talk about all the hate i have for it and i won't get tired so in this book i'm just going to leave this spoiler out here the the young boy sam and silas they are victims of they become victims of jungle justice they get burnt alive why because they are strangers on the streets despite all what they do to make the people on the streets accept them they never get that acceptance like they're never accepted as one of the people on the streets and as things get missing and crimes happen on the streets they're the first people they point their fingers at and you know reading this story again because i had to read it again for the sake of this podcast it reminded me of something my mom used to tell i and my siblings when we were young you know at that stage when you're very young you always went to go and visit with the neighbors visit with friends and all those kind of things <laughs> just not like two sleepovers in their house and all those things my mom used to always tell us that no matter how many times you go to a stranger's house sorry a visitor's house if something gets missing you're the first person they are going to accuse the first person accusing fingers are going to be pointed at and i really saw that in this book because no matter all what they did on these streets what they did for the members of these streets the moment something bad happened accusing fingers you are pointed at them i didn't mind that they are washing their cars for cheaper rates or carrying the women's groceries for free or helping with menial jobs around and trying to be cool and play and with members of the streets immediately something happened they pointed accusing fingers at them so in this kind of thing you wonder like all those things i've been doing is it that you have short-term memory or you never just trusted me like it's just something to ponder on like how long does it take to win somebody's trust? So back to the whole jungle justice thing. So eventually, two kids get gets missing on the streets and these boys are accused. And we see the madness of Nigerians unleashed on them. All of a sudden, they are asking them for where asking them of where they kept the children they are calling for fire calling for fuel calling for tire and i was reading this book and i thought it was a joke like no 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 they are actually not going to burn these guys like this is simas this is sam and silas they are guys like they are g's they are all friends on the streets and the next thing they are being lit up like it's getting real and anytime I read about jungle justice or I see things about articles or anything about jungle justice, it just makes me ponder on the cruelty of human beings, especially Nigerians. Like, why take law into your hands? Why so wicked? How can you watch somebody die? Not just watching somebody die. How can you be a part of somebody's death? How can you kill somebody in that kind of gruesome way? Like, uh, a story that really comes to mind whenever I think of jungle justice is the story of the Alufo boys. It's quite a popular story. Most of you must have heard of it. It's 
a story that really talks about where we really saw jungle justice and how wicked human beings can be may their soul rest in peace so i love the way the author touched on that theme very well and please if you're listening to this podcast this is me telling you to never ever never ever think you can take laws into your hands and kill somebody even though the thief is caught red-handed with that stuff even though the person is caught red-handed in the crime except it's for self-defense guys like guy jungle justice is never an option you don't burn people you don't beat people to death that is just cruel that's just cruel i don't even know like there's no other word i can think about to describe it. but that's wickedness that's murder like you've killed somebody your hands are bloody it's as simple as that okay so that's it i don't want to get all emotional because this is one thing that doesn't resonate with me well the last story i'll be talking about in this book is the devil's overtime so in this book we see freedom for one character a rejection for the other character a mother is tired of her son because she believes that he's the one holding her down because of her having him she's locked in a life she never wanted she's her dreams are cut short her plans are limited and everything so one day she decides to take the bull by the horn and she does something crazy from the village she carries her nine-year-old son to lagos and she dumps him on the streets with just a letter and some clothes she dumps a nine-year-old boy on the road with nothing but a letter a few naira notes and some clothes on his back and some clothes to change over to go and chase her dream when i was reading this book i wanted to know if i could understand where this woman was coming from but now that i'm thinking about it i don't know honestly i don't know i want to try and see if i can justify what she did like putting yourself first and everything but can you actually say you were putting yourself first like no 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 you can't do that. No, no, no. I, I, I wanted to justify it, but no. I cannot justify that kind of act. Leaving your nine-year-old son on the streets. First of all, do you not know anybody to go and dump this boy with? Why leave him on the streets of Lagos? To fend for himself. Now this boy is thrown into a life of crime. That street life. That thug life. You know, when I was reading this book, I thought about something else too. I thought about all the children I see on the street, the children that I see like hustling it out on the streets. And I wonder if they have similar stories to this guy, to this young boy in the book. Were they dumped on the streets? Did they have to leave their house because of wanting or the other to come and hustle? Or did they just find themselves on the streets with no choice? But to do everything to make ends meet. It just made me think of the backstories, the cruel stories and the touching stories these young boys on the road will have. 
to how they to how they find to how they found themselves in that kind of life of course this is not the only thing that happened in this story but i'm just sharing the basics and i really want to hear what people have to say about this particular story can you justify what the woman did can you justify what she did like is there any reason to justify dumping your nine-year-old son on the road to fend for himself so he can go and chase your dreams Hmm. wow crazy things are really happening we've come to the end of this episode Mm. i'm gonna miss you guys for just one week i want to (laughs) we've come to the end of this episode before i forget something please if you like to share something about this podcast on twitter use the hashtag with the book chief on this episode i asked on your opinions on so many things when answering that use the hashtag with the book chief and also feel free to tag me umo benita three that's my handle on twitter umo benita three tag me i'll be there to engage engage your posts and you're also doing it for more listeners. Do you want to be the only one listening to with the book chief? Don't you want to share this goodness, this podcast goodness? Yes. So when you do that, when you use the hashtag with the book chief, it gets people curious about what this with the book chief is and it draws more listeners. Please do that for me. Also, I want to urge you to go and read Nines of the Creaking Bed. It's a book after my heart. I try not to give spoilers because I want to keep you on your toes i want to keep you anticipating when you get when you go to read the book so please go and read the book see you on the next hold on hold on hold on my spotify users please use the question and answer tab below feel free to use it i love seeing what you have to say about the episode so please share away ask me a question share your reviews answer my questions like just engage engage in on that tab dear i really love to see it so now see you on the next episode of my first loves bye love you